We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report. My name is Andrew Freeman. And of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. Yusei, we are recording this episode on Thursday, September 30th, following the Bears' 26-6 loss against the Cleveland Browns. And I don't even know how to describe that game, Yusei. It was an absolute abysmal display of offensive football by the Chicago Bears. And a couple noble stats from this one. One net passing yard for the Bears in this game. Uh, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that they gave up nine sacks in this game as a whole. So just not an ideal start for uh, a debut for your rookie franchise quarterback getting his first start on the road against a really good team. I- I'm still kind of in shock, you know, kind of trying to recover from that game you said. But, you know, how are you doing today, man? And, you know, what are your, some of your initial thoughts from that just horrible horrible experience we had this weekend well first things first thanks for asking i'm doing real well i hope zach his wife and his newborn baby yeah, are absolutely. doing well too um new addition to the bear report team there zach actually broke that news on twitter but listen let's get right into this bears browns game because this was a game where if you went back and you watched the all 22 film that is available via NFL game pass you watch from the broadcast angle, no matter how many times you would watch it, it would seemingly seem like there was something new that was wrong. Every single time you look at the offense and it was completely flawed. You use the words horrible, abysmal. I think those words are understatements. Okay. There was absolutely no offensive philosophy that was working. I, we said this going into the, game against the Browns you need to design a game plan because we knew Justin Fields was going to start you need to design a game plan that was catered to Justin's strengths they moved the pocket one time in the first half I actually went back and I looked at the 53 meaningful games that Matt Nagy's been the Bears head coach now doesn't include preseason so regular season and two playoff appearances the Bears are now at a point with their offensive guru where they've scored a touchdown or less 20 times now and this, and that's bad because it just shows that this offense over the last couple of years hasn't been able to do anything consistently besides not move the ball consistently, all right? That's the only thing the Bears are good at. And this game on Sunday was a microcosm of it. I mean, you're using five-man protections. You're getting your quarterback killed. Tell me, what's the purpose of having these big tight ends like a Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet, Jesse James on the roster if you're not going to use them to even neutralize and chip block guys like Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney? And I'm not saying you needed to shut Clowney and Garrett down. What I am saying, though, is this is you have to use what you have on your roster all right, the tight ends to basically neutralize those guys, which, again, it wasn't done. Now, let me switch to the other side. Everyone on Bears Twitter this week, on Bears social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, is talking about, well, it's Matt Nagy, the play call. Look, all that stuff is valid. Dominique Foxworth from ESPN, he said this. He's just like, look, 
Matt Nagy was terrible, but also Justin Fields had a lot of rookie mistakes. There were times where he held on to the ball too long. The point is, is that was this an all-around bad performance? Yeah. Was there a lot of stuff where you look at and you're like, okay, that's coaching, that's execution, that's not a rookie quarterback's fault, 110%. Is there some blame to go around for Justin Fields, 110%? Yeah, there is some blame to go around for him too because if he's going to be the NFL quarterback that a lot of Bears fans have hyped him up to be, guess what? He needs to play faster. He needs to get through those reads. I'm not saying everything needs to come to him all in one day and that this Browns game is going to determine his career. No, we still have 2021, 2022, and 2023 to really determine what Justin Fields is going to be as an NFL quarterback. But the reality is that Justin Fields also had red flags like holding on to the ball too long, like not being able to play fast enough and just get the ball out. Those are things that are going to come with time and experience, but there are also things that he struggled with this first week. Yeah, first of all, congratulations to Zach, by the way. I, I didn't mention that before. I know you did, you say, but congrats to Zach for uh, getting that delivery of his first child there. That's really exciting stuff for him. And uh, by the way, we'll be doing uh same things we did last year. We're going to be covering uh, for our regular Bay Report podcast by doing a game recap of the Browns game and a game preview of the Lions game later on this podcast. But switching gears back to this Brown game, it's kind of going off what you said here, you said, you know, the offensive game plan in this one was just really – it was clear that Matt Nagy had no answers for what Cleveland was giving them and presenting them defensively. And it, and it seems like, you know, Matt Nagy, he called a game plan where it felt like it was a better fit for the quarterback who is currently injured right now. That's Andy Dalton right now out with a, a, knee, uh, a bumpers right now in his knee. And let me explain that a little bit because Matt Nagy called a lot of, you know – spread the field, quick hitting underneath West Coast type of concepts, stuff to get the ball out of your hands quick for the quarterback, which on paper, not a bad way to try to attack this defense. I can understand a little bit of what he's trying to do there because, you know, this offensive line, even went with the quick, you know, stuff working for them, you know, it was not going to hold up against this really ferocious pass rush. And we saw that obviously with nine sacks, but uh, here's the thing, though. You have to adjust to the talent that you have on the roster. And Justin Fields right now, this is something that, you know, he struggled with at Ohio State. And, you know, we saw it here in this first game. You know, Justin Fields, he is a guy who is not built right now in his current state to be a quick game type of quarterback. He is a vertical, athletic, push the ball down the field type of guy where, you know, you got to be able to protect him. You got to be able to have a lot of vertical routes going down the field. You got to be able to manufacture uh, clean pockets. I like this term that uh, Robert Schmitz uh, on his live stream, he did a live stream film breakdown of this game. Uh, you know, I think it was yesterday he recorded it, uh, Wednesday basically. And he, he talked about how, you know, using play action and outside zone to kind of fake the defense out um, to get them to play the run and then manufacture clean pockets that way. The Bears didn't do enough of that stuff uh, in this game. And it felt like it was, you know, if they were Passing the ball, it was going to be out of the shotgun. If they're running the ball, it was going to, it was it was all basic stuff that I think the Browns were able to key in off of in this game, just not enough. And again, Justin Fields, he made you, you said it. He made I couldn't tell you how many opportunities he missed in this game. On the first drive alone, I charted with him. Uh, he had a chance to run for a touchdown on a read option play uh, where he gave the ball to David Montgomery, but. Man, if he would have pulled on that play, he might have had a runway for a touchdown on that one. And that was a huge missed opportunity. This was the second play of the game where they call a read option. We talked about trying to use, utilize your quarterback. You know, he's utilizes athleticism, use him as a runner here. Matt Nagy does that. He makes a good play call in that instance. And Justin Fields just gets the rerun. You know, it's just like stuff like that that he was making mistakes of in this game. And then the very next play after that, he has Demir Bird open for a touchdown. Um, on the very next play and he just freezes on his read he doesn't go through his progression the entire way it's like again I'm not trying to the bag on the guy because Justin Fields is not put in a great situation this game and uh, obviously after that I feel like it just snowballed from there for him but there were opportunities for him to make plays and get completions and convert and he again I, I feel like he's just he's a rookie and this stuff is just going to happen. And, and as a play caller for Matt Nagy here, you have to know that and you have to adjust to that. And I don't think Matt Nagy did enough to adjust for that. He didn't do enough to help him. And obviously when your offensive line is getting beat like it did, 
um, that is, it's just a recipe for disaster. We saw it in the very next drive, Jermaine Ifedi just, if you look at that play where Jadavion Clowney got that sack off of Jermaine Ifedi, Jadavion Clowney is lined up to where he's going to be attacking the inside the entire way. Like he is like telegraphing it that, hey, I'm not even going to try to beat you on your outside shoulder, Jermaine Ifedi. I'm going inside. I'm trying to blow up that gap right there. And Jermaine Ifedi still oversets the outside and lets Jadavion Clowney get a clean release inside the sack Justin Fields, who you know, by the way, she got the ball out in that play too, but still, I mean, it was within like two seconds. Like it's just, it's nitpicking. I feel like at that point for Justin Fields on that end, but yeah, this was just a, just complete disaster of a performance and it overshadows like offensively. There are no positives here. Like uh, I guess the one positive here is that Justin Fields didn't get murdered in this game because he very well could have with how much he was getting hit. It was just like over and over and over again, every single drive. Like, and you could like tell, you knew, like, watching the game live, you just knew that, like, okay, well, this play, looking at this right here, this is a sack because there's no help for Jason Peters, and Jason Peters looked like a 39-year-old left tackle who was just out of who's out of shape and was just, you know, fishing a couple weeks ago, you know, not preparing to be an NFL tackle this season. Like, Jason Peters did not have a good game in this one. Jermaine Fetty did not have a good game in this one. The interior wasn't good in the offensive line. Like, it was a mess. The wide receivers weren't getting open, like, nothing was working for them and they tried I mean you kind of said it, they tried to do some bootleg stuff later in the game here's the thing though the Browns were sitting on it you know the entire time you could watch them whenever the Bears did their play action game or handoff series you could see the edges they were waiting for them to do those you know bootlegs and they, they were overplaying those and you know I don't know if that just spooked Matt Nagy for me ever calling those a lot you know throughout the course of the game but yeah, just nothing worked for this offense. And it's tough because, I mean, they should have an easier opponent against the Lions, but, you know, where do they go from here from this one? Because there's just – when everything is going wrong like that, there's no easy answers for how you can fix this thing. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's a perfect way to put it. I mean, everything went wrong and there were absolutely zero answers. The Bears also, once again, it's been a weakness throughout the Matt Nagy era and it's been apparent. The Bears just can't seemingly adjust at halftime. Now, the reason I bring it up, and I'm glad you brought up, it's hard to find anything good that goes on. I think that when the Bears lose and the Bears are terrible, there's so much negativity surrounding the Bears. And again, this is one of the more passionate fan bases in the country as well as around the world but I also think that this was still a valuable game for Justin Fields because Justin if you listen to him talk in these press conferences every time he's asked by someone in the media to break a play down conceptually he will tell you hey I went back I watched the film or I saw on the iPad on the sideline I had an interception on this play well here's what the safety was doing here's what the cornerback was doing this is the coverage that the defense was running or was displaying out there. This is what I intended to do with the ball, but this is what I was supposed to do. So this game was a silver lining for Justin Fields in the sense that he'll bounce back from this game quickly by looking at the all 22, looking at the film and saying, Oh, this is where I went wrong. This is a quarterback. We have to keep in mind that rarely makes the same mistake twice. Now to summarize this whole thing up, I have to say, this is that the way you look at this game matters. Your perception matters. If you're going to look at this and just blame Matt Nagy and the offensive line, okay, cool. You can do that. But then you also have to look at the other side of it, which is that, like I said a minute ago, Justin did have his struggles in this game. All right. 
a lot of when you look at the offensive line, Jason Peters for a veteran left tackle was opening his chest up way too much at times, which just was basically a one-way ticket for Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney to push Peters back into um, the quarterback and collapse the pocket. There was also absolutely zero rhythm established. We talk about all the time the interior of the Bears' offensive line is what should be a strength. Got absolutely dominated in this game. And then you want to add this into, and I wrote this in an article on the Bear Report. Right now, the tackles that are playing for the Bears are not the tackles of the future. These are the tackles that are Jason Peters, Jermaine Ifedi are not going to be on this roster in 2022. That's reserved for that label tackles of the future is reserved for Larry Borum as well as Tevin Jenkins. Whenever those guys get back this season, it's going to be a silver lining for the Bears because this year is more about seeing who's going to stick on the roster past 2020-21, well into the future, hopefully throughout the Justin Fields era. But for what the Bears have right now out there as a makeshift offensive line, it's certainly not getting the job done. And then you look at David Montgomery, the Bears once again, man. I mean, they failed to establish the run. Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, two players that we had really high hope for that were going to have good seasons and develop into a pretty good wide receiver duo. They also got shut down on this. And then once again, like I said, Jimmy Graham played like what? 14 snaps in this game that's like seven or eight percent he wasn't as heavily involved as you would think a guy that's being paid like nine million dollars is getting paid to do so now switching over to the defensive side of the ball hey at least robert quinn and we can say this every single time robert quinn plays is that he's got more sacks in 2021 than he did all of 2020 khalil mack had a really solid game the defense continued to put on a pretty strong performance. The defense kept the Bears in this game. I think people don't realize more than we expected. I mean, yeah, your final score was 26 to six, but the defense really played lights out. And the last thing I'm going to say about this game for I let you go and move on to our next topic is that losing 26 to six doesn't bother me. What bothers me is that the Bears were so ill-prepared. What bothers me is that this was a game where the defense once again kept you in it, and yet you still showed that as a head coach, Matt Nagy, I'm not going to make the necessary adjustments. I'm not going to put my players in a position to succeed. And you need to cater the game plan to Justin Fields. That's what was really bad is that the future of the Bears franchise was put in a position where he was at a disadvantage on every single play. Or yeah. nearly every single play, I should say. Yeah, you can't go out there and just feel first star and expect him to be Superman, basically. And I and I know, uh, again, there are some things that Justin Fields needs to work on, but I, again, like, it was just, it, it was clearly a game plan that was tailored for a different quarterback, I feel like. And it felt like Matt Nagy was calling plays, again, like I said, for a veteran quarterback like Andy Dalton and not a young, you know, rookie quarterback like Justin Fields. And that's the frustrating part about it. Like, again, you're going into a tough environment. You got to protect your quarterback a little bit. I know Matt Nagy doesn't want to do that. He wants to run his offense. But at the end of the day, again, you have to adjust to what you have out there. And I'm not saying Justin Fields, you have to go on a full, you know, treat him like Mitch Trubisky and just run – you know, naked bootlegs every single play, basically, that you do a passing game with and just do one, one replays every single time. But you got to do something to simplify things and makes it, makes it, make it easier for him. Now, I will say, like like you said, there are some positives from this game. And, again, I'll almost touch it on the defense side of the ball. But for Justin Fields, the one positive, I think, for this is that he got a sense of, of – the fact that, you know, all the stuff of holding on to the ball and, you know, going through things slowly like he did in college, it ain't going to work in the pros. He's going to have to quicken up his process a bit. And that internal clock, it needs to be quicker for him moving forward. I think he got a, he got a good understanding, I think, of uh, seeing, you know, what NFL, what windows are open in the NFL and what his speed has to be moving forward to get the ball out of his hands. And I think that's something that's going to be valuable for him. Um You'd wish it wouldn't have happened where he got hit so many times. He got sacked nine times in the process. But I think it's going to be something to where he can build off of and say, okay, I'm seeing that, like, you know, I'm hesitating to make these throws right here. These are throws that are open in the NFL, and I have to have that quick trigger to get the ball in my hand so I'm not getting hit all the time, so I'm not putting my offensive line in an inopportune situation. I think that's something that he can take away from this game and hopefully learn from and get better than better from. 
but on the defense side of the ball, like you said, there are a lot of takeaways, positive takeaways to, uh, to take in here. You know, they only gave up 10 points at halftime, only 13 going into the third quarter. And that was despite the fact that the Browns had the ball for pretty much most of the game because the Bears just couldn't stay on the field. It was three and out after three and out after three and out. Just the offense was giving them no help. And the defense, they really, you know, they really stood out in this game. They played really well, in my opinion. Uh, like you said, Robert Quinn, he continues to just – He's on like a revenge tour, it seems, because every single Bears fan I felt like was counting him out. And he's playing like the guy that the Bears thought they were getting last year when they signed him in free agency. Now, that, that contract is still an issue for me, but the fact that he's playing this well, it's making it a little bit worth it at this point. And, you know, what What the positive thing for him, too, is with him playing so well, it's helping out Cleo Mack, too, because we saw Robert Quinn. He actually created a sack opportunity for Cleo Mack. And I feel like, you know, once those two, they, they can continue to stay healthy together and continue to play on this defensive front with, you know, Sean Desai doing a lot of creative things to involve those guys and put them in unique situations to get after the quarterback. They're just going to continue to help each other out. And that's going to lead to this pass rush being really, really good this year. And I feel really good about this front seven. Uh, they played an excellent game. Uh, Sean Desai in general, you know, that first week against the Rams was rough, but I feel like he's done a good job of adjusting. And he's hiding this secondary pretty well. This secondary is not very good outside of Jalen Johnson and, and Eddie Jackson, like every other game. It seems like he's like, you know, one week Eddie Jackson's good, the next week he's really bad. Like, I, I don't know what to make of him anymore as a player, but um, outside of Jalen Johnson as your one consistent stud in the secondary, this secondary is not very good. And Sean Desai is making chicken salad out of crap, basically, is what it comes down to. He, he's doing a nice job. Um, with this defensive unit and again that Browns offense is really really good and um, tip your hats to Sean to sign the defense for at least keeping this game competitive through three quarters you seem to see more from the offense going forward and I guess that's again that's the end of the pauses right here because it comes down to the offense and what progression we're going to see from this group going forward and that kind of leads to our second topic of today's uh, podcast before getting into this Bears lines preview to end this thing um, and that's talking about where does this offense go from here? And it's been speculated, you know, all week long, you know, is Matt Nagy going to be giving up play calling duties uh, for Bill Lazor once again? And, and you know, uh, Matt Nagy had his press conference yesterday and he was asked about it. And the one thing that he's said in that press conference that got to me, he, he didn't split out say who's calling the plays because you know, it's Matt Nagy. He's not going to give anything away. It's just, it's coach speak over and over again. He's going to lie. He's going to, you know, you know, not say he's going to say half truths like Matt Nagy. He's not going to give you anything in press conferences. But one thing that was mentioned by him and Bill Lazor when he he eventually had his press conference was the fact that they had a lot of tough conversations uh, in the Bears' offensive coaching room uh, this week, and they need to have some tough, tough conversations because what they're doing right now through three weeks of this season on offense isn't working. You know, you look at the fact that in week one, I know they had, I thought they had a pretty good game plan actually in week one against the Rams. It just didn't work execution wise, but you know, only scoring 14 points in offense, that's not going to be enough. And then the next week against the Bengals, they only scored 13 points in offense, really. Um, that's not going to be good enough. And a couple of those came on short field. So it's not even like they had a really good game on offense in week two against the Bengals. Like, and we kind of saw some of the issues start to pop up in that game. Um, that kind of transitioned into week three here. And then, of course, this disaster of a performance. So these issues on offense, they need to get these fixed. And I'm not sure if a play calling change is going to be the answer here, but uh, Matt Nagy needs to switch something up. And it sounds like, you know, without him flat out saying it, I feel like a change has come at, at Hallis Hall to where I think some things have changed in the way they're going to be operating offensively, coaching-wise, moving forward here. Well, so we're recording this on a Thursday. I'm going to say this. Bill Lazor spoke on Thursday to a quarterback. He's going to speak on Friday. That's going to be the starting quarterback. And then I believe Matt Nagy is going to speak on Friday as well. Really what this is is this. is I think when you talk about a change at Hallis Hall, you're talking about a change in the play caller. You are also talking about a change in offensive philosophy because remember, when the Bears handed over the play calling duties briefly last year to Bill Lazor, Matt Nagy publicly announced it on a Friday. He publicly said it's going to be against the Minnesota Vikings on Monday night football at home. And the bears may have gotten absolutely obliterated in that game, 
because Nick Foles got hurt, Mitch Trubisky was out too, and then the Bears were forced to rely on scout team quarterback Tyler Bright. But I will say this much. That Bill Lazor offense last year was statistically just more efficient than anything that the Bears had tried to run with the Matt Nagy offense. I think when you look at this, if Andy Dalton was in the game right now, the Bears would probably have a pretty high pass-to-run ratio. I think with Bill Lazor and Justin Fields, it's going to be significantly different. Andy, by the way, is still out. He hasn't practiced at all this week per the Bears' Thursday injury report. But, hey, at least Eddie Goldman was back. But this change is significant because what you're going to be doing is this. Is you're going to be relying more on Justin Fields' legs, all right, which is then going to open up opportunity as well as possibilities for – guys like David Montgomery in the RPO game. You're also going to be getting guys like Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson more involved. You're going to be asking Justin Fields to not necessarily win you the game every time, but then not necessarily lose you the game. It's going to be, hey, Justin, do just enough for us that we can move the ball effectively. I mean, you talk about the games against the Rams as well as the Bengals. Those two games, I want to say, they were definitely bright moments for the offense, okay? I think what stuck out to me in that Cincinnati game was being able to march down the field on that first possession and score automatically, get yourself on the board first, kind of set the tone, set the momentum. That's stuff we're not used to. So for this offense this year, has there been inklings and flashes of being a unit that's able to play together and play a complete game together yeah but has it been enough no it hasn't and i think that when we talk about play calling and execution your play calling is great and all it doesn't matter if you can't execute it does not necessarily matter who your play caller is because bottom line is coaches need to put players in a position to succeed but then those players when they're put in certain positions they also have to be able to go out and execute but that also goes back to coaches because coaches need to make sure players are able to execute at a high level yeah, the, and the execution thing is going to be key here because execution ever since 2019 has been a problem for the Bears offense. I mean, you can go back to literally the first play of the 2019 season where, you know, they had that that pitch play to Tariq Cohen, and he just it, – it's blocked perfectly, and it looks like it's going to be a big gain on the first play of the, of the game, first play of the season, and Tariq Cohen just drops the ball. Like, stuff like that has been – just mind-numbing for this offense, like, ever since then. I, even, even in that Browns game where they, they had some momentum going on that offense, and then we get to that third and one, and Jermaine Ifedi has a false start, and then they have a sack the next play. Like, it's stuff like that that just keeps on popping up for this offense. And at some point, like, you got to cut that crap out. Like, I, I'm sorry, but, you know, it, 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 it's it, – it's on the players because you're professional players and you can't be having these boneheaded mistakes and these just errors on a consistent basis. But at the end of the day, you're right. It comes down to coaching and are you holding guys accountable in the locker room? And if guys are not going to be out there doing the stuff that you asked them to do and executing, then you have to make changes with your personnel then. And it, it just seems like that's not something that's in the cards here, but you know, get sticking back to this laser nagging conversation. You know, I'm interested to see what they do game plan wise to adjust to Justin Fields here at quarterback because we know that it sounds like Justin Fields is going to be the starter. It hasn't been officially announced yet, but uh, you know, Andy Dolan's been limited in practices over the past couple of days, and it looks like you've seen any videos of him at practice that he is he looks like he's in no position to start right now. He looks like a player who's dealing with a knee injury that you know probably shouldn't be playing right now. So I don't think it's going to be Andy Dolan out there. I think it's going to be Justin Fields once again, get another start, hopefully right in the ship a little bit. And, you know, I don't know if Matt Nagy, if his plan is to go back to Andy Dalton once he's healthy, it sounds like that's the case. Uh, that's what he said publicly at least, but in terms of getting Justin Fields going once again, get and getting him in a little bit of a rhythm this year, um, because I am sure they're going to need him at some point once again, uh, because I, I doubt Andy Dalton's going to be the guy, even if he comes back, I doubt he's going to be the guy the entire year you have to establish some type of foundation for him that, in that offense. And I go back to uh, what the Chiefs did for Patrick Mahomes back in 2017 where, you know, again, you know, Patrick Mahomes, when he was drafted by the Chiefs, one of the things that they did was, yeah, they sat him, but you could tell throughout the year that they were preparing their offense to tailor it to Patrick Mahomes' strengths that entire year, even with Alex Smith at quarterback, you know, because you know, the Chiefs with Alex Smith at quarterback in the previous years, they were a dink and dunk, you know, run first type of offense by Andy Reid, where it was a lot of short stuff, you know, you throw the tight ends underneath and uh, we're playing 
we're going to control the clock a little bit and we're going to be efficient underneath, you know, classic West Coast stuff. And then you draft Patrick Mahomes and you realize that you know, Patrick Mahomes is a special player throwing down the field and extending plays. So we're going to be transitioning to more of a spread offense where we're going to be tacking down the field. And we saw that that year in 2017 where Alex Smith went from a dink and dunk game manager quarterback to more of an aggressive down the field vertical passer that year. And a lot of that was because the entire coaching staff and offense was preparing for Patrick Mahomes eventually taking over in 2018. Well, how is that going to be the case for Chicago here? Because it seems like, you know, Matt Nagy so far hasn't been laying the seeds, you know, planting the seeds for that uh, so far, because like, like we saw in this Browns game, a lot of that, what we saw in that Browns game was a lot of quick, quick dink and dunk type of offense that we've seen through this team so far this year. And that's just not, Justin Fields' game nor his strength right now at this point in time. His his game is more so, I wouldn't say Patrick Mahomes-esque, but more so that, you know, taking shots down the field, hunting for deep shots, looking to, to attack the intermediate part of the field, and that's just not what his offense is right now. So I, I want to see them start to adjust to that part of the game, and, and that means going to Bill Lazor where he can run more of those, you know, classic bootlegs and play action stuff where you had the tight end coming across the formation to take on the edge rusher and, you know, manufacturing clean pockets because this offensive line really struggles in, in true pass sets. Uh, that's one of the things I've noticed from, from tracking them is in true pass sets, they really struggle. If you can use some play action and, you know, help them out a little bit to slow down the pass rush, they can be, they can be workable. And that's some of the stuff they have to do. And, you know, that's something that Bill Lazor runs a lot. He did that a lot in Cincinnati with Andy Dolan. as his quarterback that year in 2018 uh, when they had a pretty good offense that year um, under Bill Lazor. You know, that's some of the stuff that he likes to do, as, as well as with the RPOs and, and some of the other stuff that Matt Nagy installs in his offense as well. But yeah, I, I, I ultimately, I feel like we're going to find out re- really quickly who is calling the plays here in this game because I, I feel like Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor have two different directions that they want to take this offense, not necessarily two different directions, but they both have a different idea of how to best utilize what they have right now. I feel like Matt Nagy likes more of that quick game spread coast type of stuff. And, and Bill Lazor more so wants to get back to the roots of, you know, outside zone play action. And we're going to be going for crossers and things like that over the middle of the field. I feel like that's what Bill Lazor wants to do with his offense and Matt Nagy more so wants to stick to some of those more Kansas City's type of concepts. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Justin's ability to push the ball downfield and being a downfield passer. I think that when we look at that Ohio State offense, and Justin did admit that some of the passing concepts were very similar to what Justin saw at Ohio State versus what he's seeing in the NFL now. I think when you talk about his wide receivers at Ohio State, which are Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, that OSU offense was always going to be a deep to short one where it was really going to emphasize the big play first. And then you had your intermediate routes. You had guys running those short, whatever, five, six, seven yard slants as well. And it was always like a check down option if really needed or even a hot route. But ultimately you look at it, I mean, Justin is – establish this mentality of being an aggressive downfield passer. He's not going to be the type of quarterback that's just going to sit here and that's just going to take what the defense gives him. He wants to be someone that wants to go out and wants to make plays happen and do it through the air or even with his legs. And so what laser is going to do this Sunday, I think is going to be interesting because it's going to really set the tone moving forward for what the bears decide to do. I also think that, just because we're sitting here and talking about, okay, Justin having an aggressive mindset and wanting to always push the ball down the field, that we shouldn't exclude a guy like David Montgomery out of this because David Montgomery is a really hard runner. The Bears have used him in a variety of ways. And so I still want to see a healthy dose of David Montgomery because it's like you mentioned, it's not going to be, it should not be the expectation that Justin Fields has to be Superman every single time. There should be options in this offense built to help him kind of take, get the pressure taken off his shoulders. And ultimately, that's what needs to happen. I mean, the Bears have speed on offense, Goodwin, Demir Bird, Darnell Mooney. They just have to be able to utilize. It. And if you bring in some of this play action game, some of this vertical passing stuff too, you know what? You can effectively utilize that speed. And then also I would like to see Allen Robinson get moved around from 
the outside the numbers to operating within the slot and then just move them around in different formations. Also quit with the really cute stuff. Not that Bill Lazor does cute stuff anyway, but there's absolutely zero reason for you to be going jet sweeps or like lining up in the wildcat, having Justin Fields for whatever reason, line up as a receiver on the top of your screen, knowing that he's not going to get the ball because the bears have done that a couple times in the past when Matt Nagy's been calling plays, certainly Bill Lazor hasn't done it. So there's kind of, what is is this? It's just like two different philosophies for two experienced coaches and coordinators in the NFL. And so the Bears need to lean more towards fields benefit both in the present and future and the Bears benefit. They have to lean more towards the Bill Lazor offense, not necessarily the Matt Nagy offense. Yeah, you ideally you'll like to have some sort of a blend of everything that's that they have working because they have a lot of concepts and, and philosophies on this offense that they're trying to mesh together and there just isn't a great fit for it right now. So hopefully they can find a way to mesh that together because there's some good stuff in, in both approaches. But you know, one approach benefits one quarterback that they have in this roster just feels one, you know, one way. And the other approach, the more Matt Nagy's approach better fits what Andy Dalton does right now. So it, it again, it comes down to you know how can they execute this game plan? And again, we don't know if Bill Lazor is going to be the guy calling plays. It could be Matt Nagy still, but um, hopefully we see some definite changes in the philosophy and the game playing this week, and um, hopefully that leads to more offensive success against a weaker opponent. And that leads us into I think the last topic here for us, and that's. Previewing is Bears-Lions games. The Bears, you know, they're coming off this loss, going to be back home from this game against this Lions team that is 0-3 right now. But the Lions, they just came off a heartbreaking loss to the Baltimore Ravens where, you know, the Lions, they they fought, they they scratched, they clawed in that game, and they lose on a 66-yard field goal by Justin Tucker. Like, how devastating is that to be in a position to win and to fight that hard against that good of a team to lose on – literally the, the longest field goal ever made in NFL history. Like Justin Tucker, what a, what a beast at kicker. He, he's, if he's not the best kicker in NFL history, I don't know who is, but that's uh, a little bit off topic, but topic, but you know, this Lions team is very interesting. They're obviously in rebuild mode with Dan Campbell now here at head coach, new quarterback and Jared Goff. And, you know, so far the, the results for him have been mixed at best. You know, that offense has not been good so far for this Lions team. And, you know, we talked a lot about the Bears offense. Let's start with talking about the Bears defense and what they can, do, they can do against this Detroit Lions offense because I feel like this is just a really good matchup for this Bears defense because, you know, we look at where the Bears' weaknesses are on that side of the ball. It's in the secondary. It's in, you know, the quarterback spot. They don't have guys uh, to cover these wide receivers. And when you go up against teams like the Rams and eventually the Buccaneers, who they have multiple weapons where they can spread you out, and attack the matchups they want to attack and, and expose some of these holes in the secondary, the Bears defense is going to struggle in those type of games. But when they're in these type of games against more teams like the Lions where we don't have the weapons at wide receiver, they have a really good tight end in TJ Hawkinson, but they don't have the talent wide receiver to challenge these quarterbacks necessarily. They're going to be more of a run-first approach, and that really plays to the strength of the Bears defense where they have this front seven. So what are your kind of – what are your – kind of thoughts on that and you know some of the matchups you're looking forward to on that defense side of the ball going up against the Lions offense get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of Tom Brady a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, so the Lions, if you've looked at their offense, again, I've watched the Lions plenty over the last couple weeks just in the early goings of the season. I mean, so they have a couple of really good wide receivers, the main one being Quintez Seif is a late round pick, I think, that's just really emerged, become Jared Goff's best friends. And Monra St. Brown, a third round pick from USC, he's going to develop into, I think, one of the more electric receivers in the game. He's been just really solid 
throughout the early parts of the season too. And then I think that the biggest strength of Detroit certainly is the offensive line. I mean, right now they're not playing at full strength, but they have guys like Denise Sewell, Frank Ragnow, two former first round picks have made this offensive line look really good. I think that a great offensive line is what the Lions have. And it's given an average quarterback or an above average quarterback, Jerry Goff, more time to throw than some people originally anticipated. And then you have tight end TJ Hawkinson, who is quickly and quietly developing into one of the more underrated tight ends in the game. Another strength of Detroit's roster is the running back. Hey, Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift. We know that both are really good hard runners that employ, like, they're basically one-cut runners, okay? But then also you look at them, their value really comes into play when you talk about receiving ability. I mean, I think in week three against the Ravens, they both combined for, like, 15 receptions for, I think, like, 160-something yards. Those were about the rough numbers that I charted. So ultimately that those running backs being used as receivers and being lethal on every single place, something you're going to have to account for. I think that when we talk about matchups, I'm specifically looking at Quintess Cephas versus Jalen Johnson. I'm looking at Eddie Jackson and Roquan Smith versus um, lining up against TJ Hawkinson because those young pieces on the lines, they've certainly developed a really good chemistry with Jared Goff. Yeah. And the Lions they've been pretty creative because they don't, again, they don't have the talent at wide receiver to, exploit those matches matchups on the outside. So they have to get the running backs involved in the passing game. They have to target TJ Hawkinson quite a bit to, you know, to be able to move the ball down the field because when the run game's not working, you know, how do you push the ball down the field? How do you attack defenses in the secondary? A lot of it has to be through the tight end and the running back room. And you know, Don DeAndre Swift is a very talented player. He's probably the player outside of TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson is a player that that the Bears have to stop in this game if they're going to stop this Detroit Lions offense, which I don't think it should be too much of a challenge because this offense for the Lions isn't all that good. But the running backs, they had to slow those guys down because DeAndre Swift, he's a dynamic player in the receiving game. You know, it's going to be a big day for these linebackers. Roquan Smith is going to have to have a big game in this one. Um, in coverage, you know, he, he's off to a really good start so far this year, but you know, he's going to have some challenges here. You know, him and Eddie Jackson and, you know, it looks like Deion Bush is going to get the start again for the Bears at safety. You know, those guys are going to be tested by T.J. Hawkinson and his running back. So it's going to be a big day for those matchups right there. I think the Bears have a slight advantage with Roquan Smith playing as, at as high of a level as he is right now. Uh, but, you know, other than that, I mean, this defensive front looks like they're getting Eddie Goldman back this week, you hope. So, you know, Eddie Goldman, you hope that helps – boost the run defense because like you said this offensive line for the lions uh this offensive line for the lions is really good you know even without taylor decker you know panay sewell's had a good start at left tackle for them um as a rookie frank ragnow he's a beast he's one of the best centers in the nfl they have some other nice pieces on that offensive line that have helped stabilize things a little bit here so it's going to be a good matchup of strength on strength i think in that aspect of things we saw a little bit of that against the browns where the browns they have one of the best offensive lines in football and I feel like the Bears defensive line held their own certainly in that game as well. So uh, that's going to be a matchup to look forward to. I think ultimately it comes down to can the Bears shut down the tight end and TJ Hawkinson and the running backs here. And that'll go a long way because if they get pressure on Jared Goff, that's going to be a huge advantage for them because Jared Goff is just, he is what he is. He's not, he's, he's, he's a nothing quarterback for me at this point in his career without McVay scheming everything up for him. And they have to get pressure on him because if they do, that'll create opportunities for turnovers and big plays with sacks and things of that nature. Uh, switching over to the other side of the ball, we talked a lot about the offense and what their identity is going to be in this game. You know, I, I think uh, that, again, it comes down to the fact that, you know, the Lions, they have a new culture here on, on this defensive side of the ball. It's no longer a Matt Patricia defense where they're going to be playing a lot of man. And that's something that, you know, Matt Nagy and this offense has, exploited time and time again against this Lions team. This is more of a uh, approach where I think Aaron Glennie's defensive coordinator for the Lions. He brings that approach from the New Orleans Saints where they're going to run a lot of quarters coverage, uh, a, lot of, a lot more mixes of man and zone and, and things of that nature. They're going to mix things up a little bit. Um, but they have some injuries in that secondary. I think that's something where, you know, this Bears team, they can take advantage of some things in this game with this Lions uh, defense that isn't really talented. They have some holes in this defense. You know, what are some of the matchups they need to exploit here in this game uh, on that side of the ball? 
Well, first things first, right? Um, getting Darnell Mooney involved would be absolutely great. I mean, you talk about quarters coverage. I think the Bears can combat that by having uh, Mooney run some underneath routes, some intermediate routes, just those types of things that are going to require you to get the ball to him in space so he can make something happen. Regarding the Lions secondary, I mean, let's be real. This is probably the weakest secondary that the bears are going to be facing all season. I think when you look at um, Detroit in general, okay, they have played really hard. They are a team that's built from the inside out, especially on the um, defensive side of the football. But then also you look at it, Hey, there's question marks, Corey Ballantyne. Okay. A guy that's bounced around a couple teams. You have guys like Daryl Worley, crazy. Um, Tracy Walker, Bobby Price, kind of some of them have just really been NFL journeymen. And so for the Bears, I mean, this is, and I said this on another show too, I think that when we talk about the Bears offense finally getting its legs underneath itself, as well as just the Bears in general and stabilizing and finding some sort of rhythm, this week four game at home against the Lions is the game to do it because a win against a division rival is going to go ahead and is going to boost confidence a lot even though it is the Lions. now i also want to get this out of the way i think that yeah throughout the offseason everyone kind of made fun of dan campbell's approach to football and his enthusiasm and his passion but you mentioned this too i'll bring it back the lions you could argue right now that week one game they were down by like 17 to the 49ers at home well they lost by eight points all right you look at the week two loss they were still in that game against green bay for the most part until aaron jones blew it wide open in the second half and then this week three game um is another example. They were pretty much in it till the buzzer against the Ravens. So this is a team right now that, yeah, are they stacking up a lot of wins? Absolutely not. Do they still have a long way to go? Absolutely. But, hey, they are continuing to play hard, and that's why this is one of those matchups that can't be overlooked because both of these teams right now are looking for a shot of confidence. And it's just going to be a matter of who's going to make the plays, who's going to execute more to get that extra shot of confidence. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Dan Campbell, he's bringing that biting kneecaps mentality to this Lions team. And, you know, they've bought in, I feel like. You can tell from the way the players play. I mean, you, you talk about that week one game where they got their butts kicked in that first half against the 49ers, and they came back and made that a game near the end. Like, you know, this team fights hard, and they're going to be scrappy. And I feel like uh, the Bears, you know, I've kind of circled this as a win before the season, like before they even start, because the Lions, they're rebuilding. This is a you know total rebuild project here, but – it's not going to be a given here. This Lions team can give this Bears team problems if they let them. The Bears, they have to – I feel like I feel like the Bears have a talent advantage in this game. They have to take advantage of that and step on this team's throat from beginning to end because if you give this team a window, they're going to take advantage of it. They're going to claw back into this thing, and they're going to make this a game. It's going to be a tough game, tougher game than I think a lot of Bears fans may anticipate because, again, the Lions, they don't have a ton of talent, but they play hard, and Dan Campbell – I, I, a lot of people make fun of him for his, you know, meatball-y attitude towards the game, but I don't know. I have a good feeling about him as a Detroit Lions head coach. I think him and what that new front office are building there, I think they're doing it the right way. And it's just going to take a matter of time before the Lions are, you know, being a good team once again, because they have a long way to go, but it, it, it this is not going to be a given for the Bears this week. They need to execute. They need to play well on offense and, you know, that leads into our prediction and X factor for this game uh, this week. And you say, I'll go to you here. Uh, you know, what, what is the score for this game? You think who you think is going to win and you know, what's going to be the X factor in determining the outcome of this game? So I think the Bears are at home. That gives them obviously a home field advantage. I'm going to say Bears 17, Lions 14. I think that the Bears are going to do just enough to squeeze a win out. I also think this is a week we see Justin Fields get his first career passing touchdown. Now, I do want to talk about the X-Factors. You have two X-Factors. Um, the offensive line, can you protect your quarterback and give him enough time to make some plays? And then number two, the play calling. Like I said earlier, your play calling does not matter. Who your play caller is does not matter if you can't execute. But with that said, after a week of film on Fields, Bill Lazor, Matt Nagy saying that there were some tough conversations that took place after the Browns game. Well, hey, can you go ahead and can you call the right game plan to cater to your quarterback that's actually under center, not the other quarterback? Don't run the Andy Dalton offense, run the Justin Fields offense. 
yeah, again, they're going to have to adjust to what Justin Fields does best. And I think that's going to be, you know, I'm hoping to see a lot of play action in this game. I'm hoping to see a lot of uh, manufactured clean pockets, going back to Robert Schmitz and what he said, you know, at Windy City Gridiron. You know, that's going to be something where the Bears are going to have to do that in this game too. And their lines are going to have a great pass rush, but they have some players on that defensive front that can give this offensive line some problems. So they're going to have to protect them there. I, I think the Bears are going to win this game though. I think they get back on track offensively in this game. I think this is, I wouldn't say a get right game because, you know, I, I think there are still some issues foundationally with this offense and this coaching staff to where this offense is always just going to be hit or miss. I feel like week in week out, but I feel like this is going to be a little bit of a get back on track sort of game for this offense here. I think they actually scored quite a bit in this game. I, I predict it's going to be 27 to 16. I think the bears defense does a good job of getting after Jared Goff and forcing some turnovers and um, offensively. I think we see some more explosive plays down the field. I feel like Justin Fields, I'm not sure I'm not predicting a breakout game for him, but I think he's going to look a lot more comfortable against a defense that, doesn't have quite as much talent as the Browns do. The, the Browns, it should be said that they just have a loaded defense, and that certainly played a factor in Bears struggling against them. So um, I'm going with that score right here. In terms of the X factor, it's going to be Justin Fields for me. You know, how can he bounce back uh, after a rough first start? And, you know, can he start building off of what we saw from the week one? Can he start fixing some of the mistakes he had? Can he start getting the ball out of his hands faster? Can he start hitting his checkdowns quicker? Can he protect himself? Can he protect his offensive line? Those are some of the things I want to see from him in this game. It doesn't have to be perfect. There are going to be some mistakes. There are going to be some issues for him to have to go through here and have to play through. But if he can show some signs of growth and make a couple of nice flashes and big plays for this, for this team in this game, that'll go a long way, I think, towards his development. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us here at the Picks for Pace podcast. Uh, make sure to follow us on social media, on Twitter, at Picks for Pace, where we'll be having updates this weekend for college football. I know we haven't talked about college football over the last couple of weeks, but uh, we are, again, getting into college football season here as well. So make sure to keep uh, track of our updates on college football Saturdays as well. I'm hoping to have some college football conversations coming up over the next couple of weeks as well. In terms of you, Sade, and you know your work and where to find you on social media, work on our listeners find your work and follow you on Twitter. Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. It's just my first and last name. Check out my work on the Bear Report. I've got articles dropping weekly. Um, I also have, well, I should say two articles dropping weekly. I also do this Picks for Face podcast. So just tweet at me anytime you want to talk football and we can get a conversation going. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to give Usaid a follow. Uh, make sure to follow his work. He does a lot of good stuff for the Bear Report and at other uh, different areas as well on Bears type of related work uh as for me you can find me on twitter at aj freeman 25 you can find my work at the bear report as well i just i'm having my uh, tracking the trenches series that should be out uh by now by the time this episode drops uh, looking at how the offensive line and pass rush performed for the bears against the browns in week three uh just to spoil it a little bit the offensive line not good the pass rush very good so uh definitely check that out if you're into offensive line and defensive line play and then you know, if you're interested in film breakdowns and, and some of the stuff we're doing on the Bear Report on YouTube, make sure to check out my film review of the Bears game against the Browns. Um, basically just going over all the problems on this Browns offense. That should be out on Saturday. I'm hoping to get those out earlier in the week for you guys, but has some busy stuff going on over the last couple of weeks um, with some work and, and things like that. But uh, definitely check that out if you're in the film analysis and stuff like that. Also, if you're looking for someone that's going to have to be at the game on Sunday, I'm going to be at the Bears-Lions game. So if you're going to be at the Bears game this weekend, uh, make sure to hit me up on Twitter. You can send me a DM. You can just at me on Twitter as well, and hopefully we can meet up and you know share some good times as Bears fans, and hopefully we get to see a win on Sunday. So without further ado, let's conclude this episode right here. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in on all platforms for us. Uh, Bear down Bears fans. Hopefully it's a fun game. It's on Sunday. I certainly hope so being at the game, but you know, hoping that we're talking about a Bears win next week. Bear down Bears fans. Have a great weekend.